Okay, so I didn't know if I was going to come right back because I didn't know if I wanted to take a break. But I'm going to come right back. I'm right back, I mean. So usually when this night was, after this night was dubbed and before, after showing their, you know, true colors and devotion, you know, to this fight, usually, you know, When this night would come into play, it would actually be against this individual that would be pretending as if they were doing more than they were or that they were more to me than they were or that they actually cared when they didn't. And I talked about how God even said to me, don't trust this person. This person is pretending, has set this up, have has set you up. And... has made it look like, you know, they're actually for you. And like they're coming to save you from something. Like they're the knight in shining armor. They're pretending to be the knight in shining armor. And they actually are, you know, a fake. They're a fraud. And don't buy into it. Do not believe them. They are not for you. And God has shown me, on so many different occasions, this person's true colors. Like, I can't believe I even could forget at times, especially being that, you know, it was exposed so many times. 2020 and last year. But it's a dangerous game because after it was exposed, I found myself playing into the narrative a little bit. Because it's like a level. It's levels I'm supposed to be at and I'm backslidden. And it's levels I'm supposed to be at with God. And the reason why I would play into it is because when I go different places, people, when I am fighting my hardest to expose what's really going on, because the last thing they want people to know or reveal to people is who God is and what's going on. So... The different levels, it's like people, it started off at a level where it's like people want to believe in these celebrities. They want to believe in these TV media stuff, social media stuff before they believe in um, before they believe in God, <laughs> I don't know. See, like I'm fighting now. They want to believe in this TV celebrity stuff before they believe in God. So I thought that God was using that for his, you know, using that for his purpose. You know, God's using this for his purpose because. Excuse me. God is allowing them to use their name to get people's attention and then once they have their attention once he gets he has these people on board with him because he's God and once he got the these people once he got people's attention that it's a celebrity 
then, you know, they believe us in a celebrity before they believe in God. He's allowing that attention to be brought to him. And I still feel like that's, that's what it comes down to because what the devil meant for bad, God's going to use for good. But now I know for a fact, like a lot of times when they, when their names are being brought up or when it's really about these celebrities, that it's very clear what side that they're on. It's very clear that, you know, they are working for the kingdom of Satan. It's very clear that they are not for or of God at all whatsoever. Now, with that being said, then how did LeBron James, you know, show up? And when I saw him, like, you were a very good person. And that's what it seemed like I picked up on. But at the same time, I don't feel that I was even supposed to be in this realm at all. So that could have been the beginning of things being exposed, you know, about, you know, just the beginning of things being exposed about who and what I was fighting and what I was dealing with and what was about to happen and who, what God was about to use me to do. But then again, on the other hand, you know, I saw this same individual, you know, bow down on their knee, one knee, bowing to God and God's presence and guided me to do so. And God made it clear where they stand with him, but also made it very clear that I was going to be above them. He was who he's raising me up to be. I was going to be above them. And, you know, it feel that he told me that because of this individual's help with getting me out of the situation I was in and the help that they would be offering to me and escorting me in God's presence. Because as a woman, you know, you don't I don't feel like you have to be escorted into God's presence as a woman. I've been in God's presence without a man just fine. Plenty of my visions. Plenty of my prayer times. But in this particular circumstance, it felt that it was God was saying that it's formal for a woman to be escorted into his presence by a man. And it does have a lot to do with your position, how far you are away from him. But as I was in God's presence, you know, meaning how sinful you are. But I don't want to say that for sure. Because when I think about it, I realize that, you know, looking back on it, I realize that I don't know how much I believe that. And it feels like God is saying, don't believe that that's not true. But at the same time, I did have to be escorted by this individual into God's presence. This is the first time I've seen God. Not the first time I've seen him face to face. Because I've seen him before. He was very mad. But the first time I had seen God. In this way, sitting in his throne with all the bright lights and the gold floors and heaven. And I kneeled and God very clearly told me 
that I am in a higher position than individual who has escorted me in. But this is for now until I get to that position because he has to raise me up there to that point. This individual is a very individual I've seen standing over me, you know, as I was laying and discussing, you know, and I feel like this is this this individual is discussing how, you know, they were like they seemed a little nervous. They seemed a little afraid. Like, as they stood over me, they were kind of, like, confirming, like, yeah, it's going how it's supposed to go. And, you know, things are, you know, things are going to be fine. And then somebody else was right there, and I couldn't see who they was. They stood on the opposite side of this individual standing over me as well and having a conversation with them. And this individual was saying how, you know, But what about this? What about that? And expressing concerns I couldn't hear they were talking about. And the individual was just like, you know, actually, actually um, entertaining it. Entertaining it, but overall, you know, was settling on the fact that, you know, it's going to go the way we think. Like, it's going to go this way. Like, they have plans for the situation. It's going to go how they feel it's going to go. Like, how they intend for it to go. And when I look back on this situation, I said, were they for the kingdom of God? I don't think so. And it's amazing how they had hoods on, just like the people in the darkness. Like, just like the, just like Masons. Just like Satan's minions. They had hoods on in the dark. And it was pitch black around me. And all I know is, like, the hoods that they had on and stuff, like, I'm like, that looks satanic. That doesn't look like robes from God's, you know, from heaven and, like, God's kingdom and, like, God sent. And the, th- the way that they spoke to me. Like, I looked up and I said something. I must have said something like, hey, what's going on? I was trying to listen to what they were saying. And immediately, they just disrespectfully talked to me like, shut up. Or who the F was talking to you? Or something like that. Like, they just disrespected me. Like, And I believe, like, they said something that I didn't even hear them like. I had no, like, I can't even find the words they said. But whatever it was, it was absolutely so demeaning and disrespectful but i've heard from different visions and different things i've seen like they call us cattle they call us animals in the spirit realm when we are just you know we're just used to raise up their level you know with satan like they kill hundreds of us on buses and you know just so-called natural disasters and they drag our souls up to satan and it was their mission to get them to the next level with him and they call us cattle like we're not called human we're not considered anything like we're just called like cattle and i feel like that's what they may have said to me 
Like, who told you to talk, cattle? Who, 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 who permitted you to talk, cattle? Like, something like that. And the thing is, I... This this is so funny to me. I mean, not funny, but this is what's really ironic. Like, this entire time, like, I cannot talk. I cannot talk. When I talk, bad things happen to me. And it's considered talking for me even to think. When I'm thinking in my mind, I cannot think. I have to train myself to not think. And that's, like... Thinking is talking here in the spiritual realm because it's in the spiritual realm. Thinking is talking. And it's just this individual look less confident. Like, this individual look like, you know, They were concerned. They had concerns about, you know, just how things were going. And for me, I I said to myself after waking up from that, you know, they were, they're fighting for the kingdom of God. And, like, they are protecting me. They're watching over me. But that was, like, not confirmed. It almost in a way laughed at. So, like, I didn't feel that that was true. I didn't feel safe. And... And I noticed, I looked, I said, I, like, it's like I'm like I'm being made to figure things out. I said to myself, you know, if they really are protecting me or helping me, why aren't they ever helping me any other time? Why do they talk to me like that? Why are they standing over me when I'm fighting so hard to get up? And I have so many different people holding me down. Why are they fighting so hard to... You know, how could they be on my side if they stood over me as I laid there and they have the power to give me up and I'm fighting so hard to get up? They're not for me. They're not for me to not help me up. And I realized, like, they couldn't be fighting for God. And it was dark and they had, like, capes on with hoods. And what they were discussing, I couldn't hear. And they were discussing concerns I thought it was about, you know, I thought to myself, how could they ever feel concerned about God's plan if they truly are of God? If you truly are of God, you don't discuss concerns about, you know, the plan in that way as if God's plan could ever fail. They discussed it as if these are things that could contribute to the failure of this plan. Things could not go as planned. And God's plans always go as planned. So that's one of the big major reasons that I didn't, I'm like, no. I'm like, uh-uh. They, they, I don't know if they're for me. Also, they weren't helping me up and I'm fighting so hard to get up. How could it be for God? And I know the reason why I can't get up is because I'm trying to get up with God. And then... The same attitude and demeanor that I noticed in this conversation of them feeling a little less confident about how this would go. The concerns, they were more confident, like, yeah, it's going that way. This is how this is going to happen, actually. But the concerns that they expressed back and forth to each other about just the concerns that they had, like, they had concerns. They were worried. They were, one of them were a little more worried than the other.
actually. But they, he, this person still did not care at all. They was just more concerned for, like, failing the plan in our own selves. Like, what, who, like, dealing with Satan after failing. And the other person, you know, after this person made a few points, discussed back to them the, you know, the different things about that. And all I know is, like, when I was listening, they talked to me like I was nothing. And I'm like, they can't be for me. They can't be on my side talking to me like that. But the same demeanor and attitude that this person had shown when they were discussing back and forth their plans and their concerns was the same attitude I saw Satan with when his smile became less confident. I saw this in the beginning. Satan smiled over me, the most wicked, sinister smile, confident in me going to hell and dragging my entire family down as well but the second time I saw him was when I was at my highest worship and he was less confident and even though it was just a little bit less it was just it was just the smallest bit less confident I felt that it should have been way more after all I had been going through and the and such and all the big transformation I have made you know, though I understand, I have to have make I have to make an entire like I have to make a complete transformation in order to accomplish this. Though, regardless of any of those things, he was less confident, and he sat over me laughing, laughing, stood over me laughing. He was like ten feet tall, and my family stood behind him, starving and crying. And at the and in the worst condition I've ever seen my family in my entire life, I never imagined seeing my family in this condition worse than, you know, people who like eat their feces because they're so poor. And it was just devastating. I was crying. I didn't know what to do, but Jesus stood right next to me, telling me it's okay, but reminding me why I had to fight so hard for them. And it was a reminder that this is not my family. I cannot be moved by how things are going and what's happening. I have to I have to keep fighting for God because it's worth dying over. It's worth dying about. You know, when you realize this is the condition that you'll be in for the rest of eternity in hell anyways. And they're the only reason they're guarding my family is because I have the opportunity to get them out. And God has chosen me for this mission. Like Obviously, they are not, they don't even feel like I'm important. They don't feel like I'm, they feel like I'm nothing. They treat me like I'm nothing. I mean nothing to them. So it's not about me, but about the anointing of my life and God plucking me out of the many people around me and deciding I'm going to give this one an opportunity to come out of hell and come out of this lifestyle because I believe in this one enough. I feel that I was placed enough in this individual that this person can be saved along with their family. Like, God is showing that much mercy on my life. But realizing, like, how many families must they have 
How many families must be in hell headed there? They're not guarding all of them like this. They're guarding my family in particular right now because God is saying, gather them up because she's fighting for them to come out. And if I accomplish this, then they can all come out. But if I fail, then we all go to hell. We all go. But it does show you the importance on your life, the calling on your life. Because the confidence that I saw on Satan's face was a confidence like we do this all the time. And, you know, we are not worried about the outcome of this situation. And that alone shows you like there's like there there must be hundreds if not thousands of families that are burning in hell headed straight to hell and with no chance of getting out though I'll never say they don't have a chance because just like this Satan this sinister look on this Satan's face that was so confident in my demise and yet time goes by and they're in the look and the smile is, is dropping a little and it's becoming less confident because God is more powerful than any plan of Satan. He's more powerful than Satan, period, or any of his minions or agents. But you have to trust him. You have to be obedient. You have to come into your calling. You have to choose God. No matter how difficult that may be. So. I noticed like you know. The confidence on this. On Satan's face. You know. Was becoming less confident. Because of. All of the transformation that's been happening in my life ever since this, this has started. So, after fighting my sister out of hell, fighting to deliver her, the thing is, you know, I think she's fighting for me. It will only make sense for her to be fighting for me after being fought out of hell, but... I'm not so confident in that because I'm just not so sure because a lot of times it feels like she's a, they're using her against me. And that was also even confirmed during her deliverance. But I thought that she had been delivered from the situation. But they, like it's one of the main people that, she used, that they use, I think, because they don't want us to be close. They don't want us, like... Obviously, when Satan chooses one person to use the most, that's because that's, that person has the most power or the most chance or opportunity to actually see that this situation goes the opposite for Satan. So this individual that they're using, if they were not being used in a manner they were being used or allow, like being used by Satan like that, like I want to say allowing because like I said, like I'm not allowing stuff to happen in my life. Yes, I do. I am backslidden and I do a lot of things I'm not supposed to do. You know, I make a lot of like rookie mistakes. But in reality, 
like I don't like would I choose to have my entire family kidnapped by Satan and starve to death? No. Would I choose to, you know, be treated as like I'm cattle? Would I choose to be treated like I'm nothing? Would I choose to be tortured and tormented every day, all day? No. But am I doing everything in my power to keep it from happening? Probably not. Because God said that I can get on my knees and never come off them. I can worship him and forget about everything else and everyone, everything and everyone else in this world and do what I'm supposed to do. That's what God said that I can do. But instead, I don't do that and I'm not fasting when I'm supposed to. I'm not obedient, like I'm as obedient as I'm supposed to be. I'm not always listening to him like I should. And I do notice every single day, every single thing that I do, just becoming less like like my strength diminishing. The strength that I once started with is just like diminishing. Where I am I feel like I'm giving up. Like I'm kind of giving up. Even though I never felt I would ever see this happen. I never felt I would ever, you know, give up or bow down. I even heard Marcus Rogers say, you have to stop doing what you're doing. You have to stop backsliding because you're going to bow. You're going to bow. And I know what that means. He means I'm going to bow and take the mark. I'm going to take the mark. But, and when I took a trip to Mexico, I even had a vision of me accepting the mark in my right hand after doing everything in my power to fight and keep from taking it. But I still didn't stop fighting. I still didn't stop fighting, though. Like, even after taking the mark, I was thinking of, like, very out-of-the-box brilliant ways of getting still getting out of this situation and still fighting my way to God. And I see that we are in a great tribulation, which the Bible says last seven years, but I don't want to be literal, though it might be literal. It may be literal. I don't want to be literal because it's been two years, I mean, it will be five more. And that kind of goes with them saying 29 last year. No, 2020, they said 29 when you're 29. And that would add up to about seven years. Because that means five more years from now, I'm 24, and it's been two. So that would add up to the seven years of tribulation. And then God coming down inside of me, I know that that happened. But the issue with me debating that is because is the fact that, you know, um... The issue with me debating that is the fact that the Bible says that everybody will see when Jesus comes down from the clouds. Everybody in the world. Nobody will miss it. And I've been talking about how I feel like the entire world is watching me. But I still go places 
And I still am, you know, I go around to different, you know, and I see different places. And I say everybody know me, but sometimes people don't. Sometimes people don't know me. But they know me spiritually. Like, if I want to know them, I know them. But if I just walk past them and I don't feel like they'll matter, like, say if it's like a million cars driving down the street, Maybe I don't know everybody in the car. Everybody in the car doesn't know me in every single car, but they do. But they do. I would just have to focus in on every single car, <laughs> which is possible. But if it were really true that, you know, it's supposed to go according to plan and everything's happening the way it's supposed to happen. If that really were true, then why would God choose me for this battle? The Bible says that the saints will be defeated, but they will fight to the end with their lives. Satan will defeat them, but then God will come down and he will raise them back up. But... And God has been pointing me to Revelation 22. And I kept seeing in a vision as I fought. There was a vision of LeBron James preparing me for a wedding. He showed me that he handed me money for my car. We were in the car. And then we showed up at a hair salon. And I was supposed to get my hair done, but I didn't get my hair done. And it was like I was being prepared for a wedding. They're like, you're being prepared for the wedding. Prepared for. And I thought it had something to do with the scripture that says, Jesus' bride is being prepared. Jesus' bride is being prepared. But I also remember him saying something pertaining to how... The day of my sister's deliverance, that would have been a, you know, I don't know if they said it was a wedding, but something similar to that, marrying Satan, Satan's wife. And then they said that about Tila Tequila, she was Satan's wife. And she had so many of the same, you know, just... Tila Tequila has so many of the same, so much of the same information I was getting. So many, some of the things that she was hearing, like when she said that Jesus said, she said, Jesus, God said he's waiting on me. He's rubbing my feet and all this other stuff. People said she was crazy and stuff. And then I saw when I clicked, when I searched her name, right up underneath, it had a video a man said, Tila Tequila is worse than a black widow spider. And I saw her in the spirit as a big spider. And people were saying to me that they saw me in the spirit as a big worm. They said I was a big worm. And these things are reflective of...
this stuff is reflective of like being married to Satan. Like he turns you into creatures, turns you into weird creatures, like weird, the weirdest, most heinous, most disgusting things that you've never would imagine, like would not be normal here on earth. That's what you are in a spirit. But how can I deny these things? Because who delivered my sister then? The light that shone from inside of me, the voice that I heard from above. That was God. The holes that I saw in my hands, that was Jesus. The chains that were broken off of my heart, that was Jesus. When I realized that I never truly accepted Jesus Christ into my heart and was finally doing it after 23 years, that was Jesus. Like, and then this stuff is, like, unbelievable. Because, like, even now I'm hearing stuff, like, I hear them saying, like, they're raping my family members and they're raping me. And I hear them saying, like, you know, they're talking to me as my childlike self. Like, the child, my, my, my younger version of myself is... Who's talking, who's doing the fighting. Because she's pure. And then I hear like my younger brother. I keep hearing his voice as his younger self. Crying out to me. Then I hear my brother. My other brother. Oftentimes I don't want to do. You know. Different stuff like smoke. Or drink. Like, just yelling out to me, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. But he's nowhere in this state. He's all the way across the country. By his voice coming out through radios and stuff. It's so many movies that reflect, like, when you're going through these different battles of Satan, like, satanic warfare and he's fighting these different spirits of the demon realm. There's so many different, like, movies that have show you, like, the TV talking to you. The people on the TV talking to you. The pictures becoming alive. And furniture moving. Seeing things walk through the house. Seeing dark spirits. Um, the radio sounds like it's talking to you. This is stuff I'm going through. I have been going through for years now. Like, hearing the spirits, hearing all this stuff going on. It's so many horror movies that reflect this stuff. And I now know it's real. They only, they only portray what, they, what, happen, what happens and have happened in real life. This stuff is too similar and specific. That being said, I kept wondering who is the dark figure that I fought that day. The satanic, demonic figure that I had to defeat that day. That talked about, you know, everything that they were doing to me and my body and what they did to my sister. And how they were 
you know, they had my sister sell me and they raped us and sold us off into prostitution ring. We were being raped and all this other stuff. Just seeing all this disgusting stuff that they had said they were saying to me. Out of all that stuff that they were saying, you know, like I said before, there was this individual was afraid of saying that stuff before then though. They never had taken taken it to the level. They never had said that stuff as boldly as they like they said that day. They hadn't said it like that before then. Because they are afraid of me. They are afraid of me. I mean, they're afraid of God in me. But they are afraid of me. Because of God, of course. It's not just me. For me alone, I'm sure. I'm not sure, but... Because I'm born with a natural power, but... And I'm a demon hunter. But, you know... It's God, it's the power that God placed in me. To be a demon hunter, that means you're fighting for the kingdom of God. And they were afraid of me. They are afraid of me. I know that. Excuse me, because every single day since it started, they did nothing but disrespect me. Laugh in my face. They take every opportunity to step on me they say the most heinous things to me I thought that they had said the word I thought that they have said to me the worst things I've ever I've ever heard in my life and I thought like just hearing the stuff that they would say to me I said I know the hell is real because this is stuff out of hell this type of stuff anybody who would say stuff like this is possessed by a demon or a demon or saying himself because just the most heinous, wicked things you would ever hear in your life, ever. Like, they will laugh and mock God and laugh, though they know who God is and they don't play with him. They know who God is, like, but they will laugh and mock your faith in God and who you are to God in a way where it's like, they know who God is. They don't play with God's power and who God is and what God's capable of. But they will play with you because you have sinned before and because you are not perfect. And because you have, you know, tendencies to be tempted by Satan, they will use that against you to talk about how far away from God you are and how much of a joke you are to Satan and how you're going to hell for your sin. They may be even right because Though Satan is a liar and they, everything they say and do is built on lies, God is the only truth. Though that is true, the issue with that is they have inside information about different different things that is dragging us down to hell as Christians that we don't necessarily, you know, we're, we are ignorant to and we're privy to. And it's and just because, like, just the different things that they would say and things that God's revealed to me that is required of me in order to get out of this situation, like, it's showing me, like, they do know a lot of things. They know, you know, different people who are not, who are going to hell that think they're good, like I did, before all this started happening. This really woke me up, you know, 
having to pray the Father's Prayer over and over and over again all day and all night for a year straight, never getting a break, you know, just to keep them off of me and not really being able to affect them as much as it should have affected them, you know, knowing that the reason why I don't have real power is because of all the sin that I indulge in and everything that I've had to transform into in order to make even just a small impact. No, it's a big impact. It's a much bigger impact than they want me to know. But to make an impact on them when I believed as a Christian before that I didn't have to do anything, just not believe that they are real. And that is not true. It's not true. Because if I could just not believe that they were not real, I didn't believe they were real before they showed up. I believe none of it was real before they showed up, so none of this should be happening. None of this should even be at my doorstep. And I've questioned that many times, but like I said, God has chosen me for this assignment. Also, they are liars, though. They are liars. Because they know who God is. They know that if he says something's going to happen, it's going to happen. They knew to be looking out for me around the time that whatever information from whoever they got it from, Satan or whatever, since they are on assignment for me and with through me, they knew to be looking for me. If they were so confident and things going in the way that they go, they think they're going, or they were so, or they're telling the truth about how much power that they have, then why would they be on the lookout for me? What would they be on the lookout for me for? I'll tell you why. They're on the lookout for me because the last thing that they could ever do is allow me to be anywhere in the presence or in the area or in the vicinity of any place that they are without knowing where I'm at and what I'm doing and never keeping an eye off me for one second. Because one, they have the answer to Satan as if that's the worst thing in the world. It may be the worst thing in the world for them because they sold their souls to the devil, but it's not the worst thing in the world for me because who is Satan to God? You have to fear God. But as I said before, you know, they knew to not miss, you know, they, like I said, out of the millions of people who live in this state, who probably move or visit here every day, how did they find me? Because they search every single person. They've been watching and on the lookout for every single person. Now, it is true that Satan knows who God's chosen are because he can afford not to. He cannot afford not to know who God's chosen are. Never underestimate the power of God. Ever. Ever. Satan knows not to play with him. So, He knows not to play with who he sends. And the only reason they want me to believe that they are so confident that I will fail is because they aren't. God does not fail. So why would he send me on a dummy mission? Why would God send me to fail? The fact of the matter is, 
Satan and his kingdom, they don't look out for each other. They will send you to fail. They'll send you to die. They'll send you to destroy yourself just to get rid of you. They don't care about you. But God, he don't play with his children like that. God has his children's back. He never sends them to fail. He never leaves them hanging. He's always considering them. He always wins. Always, always, always. He loves us. If you choose him, you he, you will never fail. No word from God ever returns back void. And if God spoke over my life, that's why they've been searching each and every single last person that enters and leaves this city, though it may be millions a year or just period. To find me. Because when I showed up, they said, it's her. And I realized, you've been looking and waiting on me. And they said, it's a prophecy on her life. The prophecy. They said, get up and fulfill the prophecy. God said, get up and fulfill the prophecy. And they all gather around. And I'm telling you, it's never this much of an uproar about somebody who is going to fail. It's never this much of an uproar about somebody they are so they're not worried about or that they are so confident in a demise of. Now, I can never say that there aren't going to be circumstances in life where people have, excuse me, such high hopes for an individual that ultimately does not, you know, pull through or make the cut. But God makes impossible possible. He raises his people up. And yes, that may mean that I have no choice but to rise to the occasion, which obviously has been proven true because if I could just sit back and be like, hey, I'm chosen, so it's whoever I am right now. I don't got to do nothing. You know, if that's possible, if that was truly, you know, what I what I could do, then I wouldn't have been being transformed into who I am now. I would be who I was when I started. That person is dead. That person is long gone. And it's impossible for me to go back to who that person was because, or is, because God won't let me. He transformed me. And now that I know who I am and they know who I am, they'll never leave me alone, ever. And so I have no choice. I am this person. I have to live this life. And out of all the people who tried to steal steal my life from me and, and take it from me, if they could live, if I could give it away, or if they could take my life, or if they could walk away with it and live my life for me, then they would have. But when it came down to it and they tried to strip me of everything that I was, I had no choice but to fight because even if you want to give your life away, you can't. I remember them torturing me just for pretty much breathing. But past breathing, just thinking, just being who I am, the parts of me that I cannot strip from myself. When I wake up early in the morning, the first thought that comes to mind, how I see the world, how I see everything, everything that I do, I consider God in. Everything that they try to strip me of, they try to strip me of God. 
And to strip me of God, like I said, is to leave me as a empty shell of a being. I would not, I would cease to exist without him. I'm nothing. Some people out here might actually exist outside of God. No, they don't. God made you. He birthed you. And if you are not living your life of God, then you're not living your life. A demon has your body. I promise you. A demon has mine. Actually, that's what I'm fighting. That's what I am fighting. A lot of us are possessed by demons. We have been possessed by demons our entire lives. We think that it is us. But if you are not being 100% obedient and following the Ten Commandments and being 100% obedient to God, worshiping God and God only, and living like that Bible tells you to live, you don't have your body anymore. A demon stole you a long time ago. Because the Bible says that the more you participate in sin, the more it overtakes you until it is a full grown sin builds and grows until into full grown sin, meaning you'll be a full grown demon. You are not even yourself anymore. Now, I'm in a devastating situation because a demon has possessed my body and I do have demons inside of my body that move around in my body and in my mind that torture me every day and that are all around me helping, jumping, and contributing to see me be fully possessed by a demon to the point where I don't even exist anymore. They want me to sell my soul. So I have to fight. And it's going to take a lot. It's going to take so much. I don't know if it's going to take more than what I've indulged in or participated in because God is merciful. But it's going to take a lot in order to be transformed to the point that no demon can ever possess me ever again. But it's a choice every day. I have to grow. I have to move forward. I can't go back. I have to be fully dedicated to the lifestyle. And if I ever think that I could just settle for anything... I'll be going right to hell one day. But I cannot worship two gods. I look around and I see God's giving me a choice. This is this is God's. It's not even inadvertent. God is not inadvertent. He's straightforward and he's clear with no confusion. God is saying, choose now. And if you are choosing me, you know, it's a, it's a blessing to even be able to pray to me. And that being said, you know, I require more of you, not just choosing me. You can't just choose me and say, oh, I chose God. Okay, that's it. You know. I chose him. That's enough. That's all I got to do. No. Because people are fooled every day by that and they go to hell. He's saying, if you choose me, you have to really choose. Unless you want to live a false sense, a false lifestyle or a false, you know, you want to just lie to yourself and tell yourself you're a Christian and not really be a real Christian. Or a real threat to Satan at all because he's laughing at you. You know. 
then you're going to have to actually become that person. You're going to actually have to be transformed. You have to change. And you have to be a good representative of my kingdom. Otherwise, I'm not claiming you. And I see that every day. He's transforming me. I have no choice because if I continue on in the manner I'm going... Either I will be tortured by Satan or he'll give up on me and God will too. Yes, Satan does give up on people because he says there's no point in wasting demons on you or time on you. You are not a threat. You're going to hell. You don't even care about what you're doing. You don't take God seriously. You don't you don't try. You know, you do what you want to do and you lie to yourself. You don't want the truth, you're living a lie. So you're going to hell. And when you get there, you'll be right, you'll be comfortable. Well, not comfortable, absolutely uncomfortable, but comfortable in a sense of you'll be amongst a lot of people just like yourself. You will not be a fish out of water. Because that's who you are. You lie to yourself your whole life, telling yourself that you was a good person or you was actually deserving of heaven, and you weren't. And you're going right to hell. So you're not a threat. He wouldn't even waste a demon on you. That's why God says, no way, Satan. We sin as humans. Naturally, we're born of it. But as I said, you know, Satan gives up on you and God gives up on you. Well, God never gives up on you. But he will give up on you, though. Like, when you're headed for destruction, he cannot help you. He cannot do nothing for you. You're not praying. You're not trying. You are not, you know, the Bible says it's worse to have known God and to turn back from it. And that the lukewarm are vomited out of his mouth. So, it's better to pick a side and stay on it. Now, I know that God sees me as lukewarm because I'm backslidden. But, every single day I'm fighting to keep this flame inside of me for God, this fire for God lit. Every day I'm fighting to keep it lit. It goes out sometimes. Sometimes it's like a little fire. And it goes out, it's put out. But I relight it immediately and I fight hard. But I'm not fighting as hard as I could or I should because I'm exhausted and I'm discouraged. And I'm starting to get that comfortable Christian mindset that send people to have hell so quick where it's like, At this point, I've done all I can. God got the rest. God can handle it. And God is so merciful and gracious, but He, but he's told me on many different occasions, he hates it when people take advantage of his son. Speaking of Jesus, of course. And he thinks that he considers it taking advantage of his son when you are not trying. When you are not trying to be better, when you are not serious. When you take him as a joke or a game, when he's telling you what you need to be doing, when you ignore him, 
when you continue sinning and you have no intent on changing. You know, you're not putting effort towards changing. That's when you're taking advantage of Jesus because Jesus has a soft spot for us. He loves us. He's forgiving and understanding. He's always fighting for us. But as I said before, they are liars. Satan's kingdom is built on lies. God's kingdom is the truth. He is the truth. God is the truth. So, I noticed that the day I got down on my knees and bowed down for this figure, it wasn't for this figure, it was for God. But the day I got down on my knees, dropped to my knees to pray to God and fight for my sister back, this figure was like, yes, finally I get to see on your knees begging. And I realized that was the first time they ever saw me come anywhere near that bowing down to them. And they, they, they itch for it. They have an urge for it. They need it so bad. And then I realized, so all this time you've been telling me that I have been weak. All this time you've been telling me I have no power. All this time you've been telling me that I'm already bowing down to you and you already have me on my knees and you already are stepping on me. Like you make me feel like I'm stepped on and I have no, I, I don't, I don't hold a candle to you. Like I never stood a chance against you this whole time. You were lying. You were afraid and you couldn't get me to get on my knees for everything and anything in the world. And this whole time you were lying. I knew that though, because God said it and I believed him when he said it. He said, you are not who you appear to be. But thank you, God, for allowing this demon to expose itself and confirm that through his own mouth. Through his own mouth, expose itself that they want nothing more in the world than to have me bowing down and to have me submit to their allegiance. Excuse me, submit over my allegiance to them. But they never could get that over anything in the world. This is why God has chosen me. This is why God has chosen me. And they want me to believe that I am a failure, that he made a mistake in choosing me, that I'm messing this thing up, that I don't have a chance. And the whole time they are liars. This is why nobody can believe Satan. When you feel like you don't have a chance, like you're not good enough, like you're not worthy, like there's no point in consulting with God. There's no point in getting on your knees and pray. God doesn't want you. There's nothing you can do. You're always wrong. You're making mistakes, all this stuff. When you feel like you don't, you are going to lose, they are lying. You never truly lose until you actually, you never lose. <laughs> you never lose. You never lose. You know? And that's complicated because people do end up in hell and that's a loss. But you never lose until you get there. Until you actually die and go to hell, you have a chance. I don't care how bad you are. I don't care how far behind you are. You have a chance. Like, in as long as you are breathing, you have a chance. We serve a able God. And nothing is final until he makes it final.
Okay, so I just wanted to come on here and I just wanted to elaborate more on that. So, throughout this battle, they tried to change me. They tried to tell me who I was. They tried to completely distort my mind and convince me and lie to me so much and make me believe the lies, give me to believe the lies that I'm not worthy and that I am something that I'm not. They told the most heinous lies on me and they twisted my sin and maximized it and tried to make me believe that I am not, that I am just so horrible and so tainted and I have no chance. And that all hope is lost in me and with me. And I battled, fight, I fought them for my life. God fought, fought for me. God fought for me. I keep saying I, I, I. But God fought for me. He fought for my life. He would not let them take it. He would not let them take my soul. You know, Every single day, things get worse. Things got worse. They tortured, they tortured me. They tortured me. And every single day, they came up with new, not new. It wasn't really new. It was repetitive. But every single day, I felt things were getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And that load got heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. And it got to the point where it was so much pressure on me. I feel like I was being squeezed and smashed and just like almost flat, you know. And God was holding things up for me. And I did not have the power to do it on my own. You know, I would have been smashed flat, completely taken out. And it was love. When it came down to it, it was love. That kept me here and alive. Only love can overcome hate. Only love can cast out fear. Only God's love, God is love. Only love can bring you out of these impossible situations. Only God. And it was love. Love kept me alive. The love for my brothers and my sisters, regardless of everything they did to me. They would brutalize me, kill me, spit on me, rape me, step on me. Just treat me like I was nothing. And to the point where you almost even start to believe it. Like, you never believe it, but you just, you don't have a choice. I mean, you don't have, not you have a choice not to believe it, but... You're the only one who who believe it besides God. I mean, I won't speak for them. I know they know who I am. And they know who God is. And God makes that clear. Like, they're lying. They're liars. But you start to believe that nobody believes that. Nobody cares. And it hurts so bad. But it's you can't do that. You can't do back to them what they do to you. Every single time they would say the most hateful things to me I would still say you know I believe that that's not who they really are I believe that you know I still love them I love who I know they are I don't think that that's them 
And that was the only thing, like God was guiding me. But that was the only way to overcome the situation. And it's so hard. It is so hard. Because as you say, I don't think it's you. They will laugh in your face. It is me. You are stupid. It's me. And then do something else to you. And step on you again. Do something else more hateful. And laugh at you. And you are in so much pain. But you have to love them through it all. You have to love them through everything they take you through. Everything they put you through. Everything that they say. Everything they do. And you can barely even love yourself at this point. I, I Like... It's not by my power. It was not me. It was God. It's God by God's power alone, period. Because it was my love for God. It was God's love for me that got me through this. It was God's love. It is God's love for me that gets me through this. Because some days you don't know what love is. You realize you don't even know what love is. But, excuse me. As I said before, I'm so blessed and just honored that God sees me as worthy to show me what real love is. It's not perverted. It's not distorted. It's not half or a portion. It's 100% complete love, healing, compassion, care, consideration perfection that's God's love it is everything what I'm dealing with what I'm facing all it's all hate all the time it's always hate all hate the only love I get is from God and they're blocking my access to that Excuse me, that's a lie. They cannot block my access to God or my or my access to God's love or his access to me. They wish. But they make me they they do their everything in their power to get me to believe that they torture me and distract me from God. Every time I'm focused on God, they turn me around by distracting me and doing everything in their power to stop me. But I want to talk about Knowing who I was and how hard I had to fight for that. Every time they told me who I was, every time they told me what I had done, every time they told me how wrong I was, where I was going, where I belonged to be, and what I deserved, I had to fight so hard to know and remember who I am. They told the most heinous lies. You don't know God. You've never prayed before. You've never believed in God. And that was a blessing from God. That's how God blesses you. Because it's like, if they tell lies like that, then I know they don't know me at all. And it wakes you up after they are telling lies that are almost believable. Or lies that kind of make you lose a grasp on reality for a while. And maybe you zoned out after fighting so hard. You're exhausted and you just... You feel like you can't do it, and then they tell a stupid lie like that, and you're like, wait, hold on. Uh-uh, I know who I am. 
I know who you are. You are a liar. You're lying. And it wakes you up. It snaps you out of it. And then you start winning. And that's God's way of blessing you. He's in control of everything. So he'll make them tell a stupid lie. To snap you out of whatever trans you are in. Being hypnotized by their lies. And to wake you up and give you that that God power. That God strength. Next thing you know, you know, they're wincing and, you know, flinching. But... Another thing, they tried to tell me who I was, and at first, for a second, it got kind of scary. It got scary because I felt like they actually could convince me I was somebody else. Like, they actually could accomplish that. Like, that actually could happen. And... I can't take much more of this because it almost feels like they actually can't do that. Though I never believed it before. Like, you can never tell me who I am. You can never change who I am. You can never convince me who I am. Only I can tell me who I am. And I can't even change. No, I can change who I am. But I can't convince myself I'm somebody I'm not. I cannot convince myself that. I would never be able to com- completely convince myself that. And that's life experience. If you've tried to convince yourself you're somebody you're not in order to fit in or in order to get away from who you truly are, it'll never work. Deep down, you know who you are. That never goes away. Ever. And this is from people, this is experience and this is, you know, life experience for myself. But people who have tried this and wanted that nothing more in the world than to be somebody they are not will tell you that. That never goes away. You always remain who you are. To the day that you die, you'll never be nobody else but who you are. And if you try and convince yourself you're somebody you're not, instead of accepting who you are, you will die miserable. And that's why it's important to know God's love because he shows you that he loves you exactly for who you are and that he made you exactly who you are for a reason. Teaches you the love that he has for exactly who you are and how to love yourself that way. Instead of trying to be someone you're not because you'll never be able to change that. Only he can and he didn't. And it's too late now because you're here. But... They tried to tell me that they could change who I am. I'm like, yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, right. If you could change who I am, then you could change who you are. And I could tell by how you act and the route that you went and the things that you are doing. That's one thing you can't do. And I feel bad. Of course, I'm not bragging. I'm not trying to rub it in anybody's face or be spiteful or vengeful with my words. I'm trying to watch that, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is who God speaks about. This is how God, this is what God tells you to watch out for when he's trying to convince you to be who he made you to be. He tells you to watch out and be who he made you to be, or you'll turn into somebody like this, or you'll wound up like that. 
and then you then you start to truly understand and truly become so grateful for the lessons that you felt like were less you didn't maybe didn't appreciate or weren't as grateful as you should have been for the lessons you've been taught over the years by God, all the words he's giving you. It's truly a blessing to ever hear from him, ever. Anything he says. And you truly start to appreciate everything he ever taught you or ever showed you or ever did for you. Because you realize, like, as bad as you thought you were or as bad as you thought it ever was, it was nothing. It was nothing. Compared to what it is now and what it could be. Moments like that. Like this is this is one of those seasons, one of those moments, one of these times in my life where it really you truly consider that things ain't never been as bad as you thought they was ever. And all I know is, you know, It's sad because, you know, just the realization, like, you, like, even if you were ever prideful, ever lacked humility, never was willing to admit certain things, you start to find in this battle that you have to find your power wherever you can. And God knows what he's doing. So you're going to find your power in the least likely places. Not the least likely, but where you don't want to find them at. Where you have to let go of pride, let go of ego. And, you know, submit to God's authority and become humble. Like, it's humbling. It's humbling. And so you find yourself getting your encouragement, your, your next, your, you know, just enough strength to fight a little bit longer in the places where, you know, you're forced to be transformed, forced to let go of pride, forced to let things go, let, let go of certain fights. Like if you were ever fighting and saying to yourself, I will never admit that. I will never admit that about myself. I will never you know, you know, allow somebody to make me say that about me or admit that about myself or be honest to myself about that. No. Pride is either keep that or, you know, you're going to have to lose that or you're going to have to lose your soul. So you you like, yeah, you can take it. I'm just going to have to get that up. And it hurt. It almost feel next to losing your soul because you said you never give that up. You never admit that, but it's freeing. It's freeing because as long as Satan can use that against you, he's going to. And if he feel like you fighting so hard for it right next to your soul, what's next is your soul. So if you want to keep that over your soul, you want to live a life of lies like them, like Satan, and whoever it is is torturing you, then... You can keep it. That's exactly what he wants you to do. But otherwise, you're going to give that up. Because, like, this is why I understand. This is why I feel I somewhat can relate 
to what Pastor Mike Todd said about sometimes, you know, choosing God can get nasty. It can truly get nasty. And it's disgusting. The things you will see in the demonic realm. The things that go on in the demonic realm. The things that are said in the demonic realm. The things that are done to you in the demonic realm. Just the things that exist in the demonic realm. It's absolutely disgusting. It's disgusting. And you find yourself like having to endure all of that. You know, you say to yourself, it feel like I already lost my soul. I had to go through all of this. And that's what Satan wants you to think. That's how he wants you to feel. He wants you to feel like I did all this to I did all this to you. I took everything from you, your pride, your ego, your fight. You have no power at all. So, you know, what are you holding on to? What do you have left? And the one thing you have left is God. You give that up and you really don't have nothing left. So some people think, I might as well get that up. I don't have nothing left. Or some people think, in order to save this last little bit I've been harboring, I might as well give that up. And nobody, no, God is your only chance at keeping the only thing that ever will matter and has mattered. That's why I understood Pastor Mike Todd's approach about it can get nasty. Because sometimes you're going to go through some of the most belittling, most disgusting, most heinous things in your life. But if you hold on to your soul, that is the that's your best plan of action. Because there's people out here who let go of their soul and they're going through all of that and then some and they don't even have a soul to. They gave up their soul just to not have anything at all. Literally nothing now. Like maybe sometimes you get something out of it like money, uh, fame, cars, attention. But all of that is a lie. It's all built on a lie. It's based on a lie. It's a lie. You still don't have nothing. And you know you don't have nothing. And giving up your soul is just the last little, the last bit of, the last key, the last bit of permission, the last step that Satan needed to take everything else you had, whatever else you thought that you was keeping him from. Now he has legal right to. And he's going to squeeze you far past what you can even bear. Because he is not God. God doesn't give you more than you can bear. Satan does not care. Satan brutalizes you far past what is needed or what you can bear. Because he he is not God. He's the opposite. He hates you. And I've seen it. I've I've seen him doing that to family members. That thought that his way was the right way or a better way. They had to learn the hard way. And though I'm being brutalized and I'm being squeezed of so many different things, one thing you cannot take from me is God. He's fighting so hard to take that from me, but that's something that you have to give up. That's something you have to let go of. I know that he does everything in his power to trick me out of it. I feel that like he tricked my family member out of it. 
which way my family member still has a chance at being redeemed and saved. But he can't trick me out of it. He can't, he won't. And I don't want to keep saying, God would never let this happen. God would not, you don't know what God would let happen, actually. Job didn't feel that God would ever let the things that happened to him happen. Job didn't ever feel that God would let Satan touch him, his family, and everything he ever owned. But he had to go through that because God felt it was necessary. That was God, that was Job's journey. And this is mine. So I don't know what God will let happen. Maybe God will let them do that. Maybe God will let them have that. But if he does, I know this all in his will and in his plan. That doesn't mean that I'm just going to let it happen. Yes, I'm going to fight for it with everything I got so I don't have it no more. I'm going to fight with every last little bit of anything I have in me until... You know, you know, until it's gone, until they they gonna have to take that. They is. But I trust God. I trust God ultimately. Meaning, like I said, they're gonna have to take it from me. I'm not submitting it over. And they can say, Well, you say that to make yourself feel better. And I'm telling you right now, even at this point, if it ever was, you know, ever went that way, they still had to take it. What are you talking about? I've been made it past that point. Been made it past that. But I'm not trying to get prideful. This is all about God's power, which is why I trust him. And another thing, though, they're not going to take it. You can't let them have that. You can't let them feel like they're going to ever take that from you. Like you doubting that in your heart that they can even take God from you or take you away from God, you know, is enough like God has taught me up until this point like the things you think in your mind the things that like it happens in the heart first so if you believe in your heart that they can take any take you from God or take your soul then they can you cannot let that happen but um another thing though you know I'm tortured because of my heart. Like, I'm tortured because of who I am and the heart that I have. That's how they are able to truly torture me. Most of the hells that I was in or am in still continually is based on my kindness and compassion and consideration for others. My love, my brothers and my sisters, my family, the people in this world, that's how they torture me. They torture my heart because I love people. And I know that's a tactic. That's the that's the ultimate goal. The goal is like, oh, when she realized she being tortured because how much she loved people, then she stopped loving people and hardened her heart. And when she lo- stopped loving people and hardened her heart, then we win. When she actually start hating people instead, and she take that further and just become so full and encamp- encompassed by hate that she let hate drive her, then Satan gets her soul. And we get to control her body. We drag another one down to hell. We get to take the power that God has given her. That she was born with. And we get to do whatever we want to do with it. Yeah, because you're born with power. And they get to steal your spiritual gift from you. When you sell yourself, they take it and go do everything they never told you. You were capable or possible. You know, that was possible with it. You know, and in this fight, in this battle, I'm finding that there's so many things that they have plans on doing my doing with my power. 
It's so many different things that could be done with my power. They are, they get a hard home by it. I hate talking like that. It sounds weird. But they really are like, what is the word? Um, I can't find a word, but turned on, they're turned on by at the thought of all that they can do with my power when I'm out of the picture. And they fight hard for that every day. When I tell you, when I tell you, they go to great lengths with the motivation of what they'll be able to do with my power when I'm out of the picture. How they'll be able to use me. Because at this point, it's not about me no more. They've they've been able to do everything they wanted to do. You know. Like. It's sad. But rape me. And exhaust me of all my resources to the point I can't. Go out and do nothing without being brutalized. My pride is gone. They stepped on that. My family, they've taken that. Twisted and tortured my heart, my power, all of that. Everything. So at this point, the very last thing, you know, it comes down to is being able to have my power without me in the picture. And getting that, you know, those bragging rights. You know, we finally got her to submit herself over. Like she bowed down to us and she acknowledges she acknowledges us as her leaders and she chose us over God. So they get to hurt God, of course. That's what it's all it's always about that. It's always about Satan hurting God, using his chosen and turn him against them. It's always about that. And bragging rights. Because I would say it's mostly about the power, and it is, but a lot of, honestly, you know, the realization that, you know, they already use my power. They already use my power. They tell me that every day. We're going to use your power for this. We're going to use your power for that. They say I'm making small deals with the devil because let's say I'm extremely exhausted. And it it really don't even come down to a real reason. Like, they got all these type of tricks and excuses. They're liars. They're liars. Always tricking and being deceitful. So they find any reason to say, oh, you lost. Or, oh, you submitted it over. Oh, you made a deal. And it just come down to if you are 100% perfect in God, they wouldn't be able to touch you like that when you're not. And if you ever made a mistake before now, even if you are 100% perfect. They can use that against you. So. Then you can say it's nothing you can do. Besides trust God regardless of what they do. And. That's what I see that I'm faced with. So I see that they use my power. You know even though I fight them daily. I fight them so hard about everything. Like as much as I can. You know I see that they use my power. Like they hear. I can even hear them saying it like. Oh, if you do this, we're going to use your power for that. Or we use your power for this. Or this is what we're using your power for. And, of course, like that hurts my pride. It hurts my pride because I'm like, that's my power. That's my power and it's not to be used in that way. But like I said, I don't have pride. Like God has exhausted me of my pride. Though I may still have it in certain areas where I'm 
still working on that, fighting that, beating that. Where God is eliminating that in me, eradicating that in me. You know, most of the time it's hurtful what they're using it for. It's hurtful, you know, I'm fighting so hard for good. And they steal my power and they steal what God has given me because of the obedient servant that I have been. All that I, all this hard work that I have put into God's kingdom and they're taking it and they're using that for bad. And all that I do, everything that I fought so hard for is against that. And they get to take what I fought hard for and use it for that. Do you know what that's like? Do you know what that's like? That is like. You work so hard. It was just like when you work so hard for your money. And that very money is spent on work. So you get nothing. I work so hard for this money. All this money go right back into work. I never get any of it for myself. You a slave. And, you know, I understand, like, this is what they say to me. Slave, 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 slave religion and all sorts of stuff. But, you know, I'd rather be a slave here than a slave for eternity. That's cool with me. Because they can only torture me for as long as I'm here on this earth. And that won't be that long. You know, I got 80 to 120 years here if I'm lucky. And then I have to you know, actually consider why I'll be spending the rest of eternity. And that's eternity. Meaning, yeah, no time limit on that. That's forever. So wherever I'll be spending the rest of eternity is what I should be fighting for. What I should be worried about. Here, it's going to suck. It's going to come days where I'm feeling very weak. I don't know what I'll do in my lifetime. If I'll make it all the way to the end, this dedicated and focused on God and never compromising, I pray to God he's, he's built me like that. He's shown me all the way up until this point that he has. But I'm so young, I don't know. But ultimately, it feels that I've chosen my direction in life. God's chosen me. And that's that's like a forever thing. And so... As far as eternity, I'm good. And I might have to be tortured here. And I see that they don't plan on stopping no time soon. Especially if I don't plan on giving up no time soon. So, I just have to stay obedient to God and face whatever that comes with. So, when Pastor Mike Todd said, sometimes it has to get nasty. Like, I, I haven't had phlegm and spit snot rubbed all over my face directly out of somebody's throat and nose but if you're really considering how real all this stuff that I'm going through truly is I've had worse done so much worse you know and not to mention you know they spit in my food and they do all kinds of disgusting things to my food in the physical so, it's not like I'm a stranger to spit and the disgusting things that they do, you know, on behalf of Satan, 
and his promises, his lies. But it's not even that. That is the real, you know, brutal torture. It is what they are doing to my spirit and my soul. And my heart. My fight. The things I believe in. That right there. My mind. That right there. They know who they're dealing with. They know. Because they know physical torture and stuff that they would do physically to me. I probably feel that I was at an advantage. But they are doing these things to my spirit, my soul, my mind, my heart. The things you cannot get away from. The inside. You know? And I'm always going to be at an advantage with God. But... These things are brutal. My family, the people I love, you know, my dignity, the things I, my fight, the things I believe in, everything I work so hard for, like my hopes, my dreams, my aspirations, my prayers, my faith in God. Oh my gosh, I can't emphasize that enough. My faith in God, my faith in God, out of everything they do to me, when they play with my faith in God, like, I cannot explain. I cannot explain what that does to me. I just know they are aware now what that does to me because I fight the hardest about it. I fight the hardest about it. I get serious for real. And it's created a, such a fear in them that they set up, you know, a system, how they go about it. They don't just attack it and jump right to it like they used to. When they first started, they just, boop, just to, like immediately go for the jugular. They know better now. They know better now. Now they set up a system. They got it in like droves. We got to tear. We got to like, we got to get close enough. We got to creep our way in. We got to. Set up different, different, like, set somebody up here, set somebody up there, have her surrounded all around, you know, kind of like, like, you know, kind of like, um, row her in. Like, we gotta, we gotta get a, a really good grip on her because they, they know that bite back, that snap is something when they play on my faith in God. For real. I get real I get real serious. I do. Because I love him so much. He's done so much for me. And I am nothing without him. And I know what they do to people who don't have that. So it gets serious. And at least they know that now though. They do. But I've been through some stuff. And like I said, they did everything they possibly could to me at this point. I'm not afraid of what they could do because they didn't done everything. I'm sure they can get way more creative. That's what they doing in hell. But they might as well do it here now because I ain't going there. If I see what the type of stuff they can get creative and do here, 
You think I'm about to go to hell where I'll never be able to get out and never be able to escape it? Never be able to call on God to save me? No. Even though when I'm calling on God here, sometimes he don't save me. Sometimes he don't save me. And somebody might say, no, God always saves. That's a lie. You need to know that now. Because if it's not in his will, he's not saving you. He's going to, he got a plan. He's always right. So he may let you sit in that. He may let that happen to you. He may let you suffer because when it comes down to it, it's part of his plan. It makes you stronger. It's turning you into who he intends you to be. And he's always right. Always, always, always. Even though it hurts, hurts, hurts so bad when you realize he's not doing anything about some of the things you feel that he should be doing something about. And then you even can look around in this world. You see that he's done something about their situation, though. He did that. He did. He did what you what you needed, what you're dying for right now. You know, the the. The water, the first aid kit that you're dying for right now, he's provided for someone else who maybe has even done less, so much less. He's requiring less of an effort from them. He's provided even more than what you need for them. Yes, you will find that God does that. But you, you know, you can't even listen. You can't even trust, you know, you listen, but you can't trust the devil when he tries to, you know, entice you and tempt you to feel upset about that because you have to trust that God knows what he's doing. God knows why he provided what it is you're dying for, the water that you are so that you are thirsting so desperately for. God knows why he provided that to someone who wasn't even as thirsty as you. He knows why. Because Maybe it's because they needed it more. Maybe they didn't. Like I said, they may not have even needed it more than you. But he knows why he did that. He knows why he left you thirsty. He knows why he didn't provide the water when you needed it. He's building up a strength in you that you need. Remember, he doesn't do anything for himself. He is not prideful. Excuse me. And even if God did ever decide to be prideful, he has a right because everything that he does, he does it right. So if God is prideful, he will show you what pride is supposed to look like. And he is the he is the purest. He's going to do it in the purest form of it. Like <clears throat> He's going to do it right and perfectly. Because pride is a word and it is a thing. Nonetheless, it doesn't always have to be associated with bad things is it's how it's the intent past the intent it is the example the definition how you define it how you define that word so if god is to be prideful or have pride or be proud then he's going to do it perfectly and i find that he I love the way God does things. So anything he does, any bad thing, like even if he ever lied, if God even ever lied, I, I wouldn't even, I couldn't be mad. I wouldn't say, I don't believe in God no more because I know for a fact he lied. 
Now, I may battle with understanding, you know, how he says he never lied. And then he lied. I may battle with understanding that. But, and the trust, feel like I cannot trust behind that. But I would never lose trust in him. I would never stop loving him because he has shown me that who he is, he's perfect. He is love. He is, there's no wrong found in him. When he does things, he does them the most in the most amazing way. So, I know that if he did it, I would love that. I would love anything he did. No matter what he did, I would love it. Even if I didn't love it, I would love it. Because, as I said, he is love. But, I know I don't always have this attitude. And I should. I'm not always addressing this because this is buried deep inside of my heart. Like, it's there. This is how I feel about God. Even though I'm not always willing to admit it. Or I'm so hurt sometimes. I don't even know. Like, I don't want to recognize that part. It's there. And... I know I keep saying that before you might have been able to convince me differently, but you can't do that now. And the fact of the matter is, I don't, you know, you probably might be able to still do that now because I'm still working on me and I'm growing. You might always have a chance at that because I'm not, I'm not ever going to be perfect. You know, maybe I will be because the Bible says we can be made perfect by Jesus Christ himself. It says it's impossible to be perfect, but God makes impossible possible. So wouldn't that mean that perfect is possible in God? So I may be perfect one day. Not that I will have always been, but I may be perfect one day. And still, you may be able to, you know, have a chance at some of these things. Possibly, depending. But... That's also brings me to my next point. That's what God is working on in me. This is why I'm going through all of this. This is why I'm suffering, you know, at the hands of Satan, like in this manner, because he wants to get me to a point where he doesn't have a chance at these things. He's eradicated in my life. And. Excuse me, of course, he's blowing my mind. Because I grew up believing that if I I grew up wondering if that would ever even be possible in anybody's life, especially my own. So he's making dreams come true for the little girl inside of me. And quite literally, because even earlier today, I was reminded or yesterday, I was reminded that she is here fighting this battle with me and for me God is allowing her to be here present not metaphorically quite literally my younger self I have to tap into her and she guides me she's pulling me out she is restoring me she's just a kid but that kid is going to save her life my life Because that's when I was my purest form before I was held accountable for my sin. Before I knew what I was truly doing in life. Before I was wrong. 
my sin was being counted against me. That me. Trust the God. Love God. A hundred percent. And. Pure. Innocence. She is going to restore me back to my innocent form. I'm sinful. I'm tainted. I am full of sin. She is helping me to find my way back to her. Pure and innocent. Instead of sinful and filthy. Tainted. Black hearted. You know. So I, I find that I have to. Find her. Hold on to her. Run towards God. Stay in God's presence. And. Fight and work hard to restore her in me every day. That's what I have to do. Now, that sounds hard, even though I may be taking the hard way, because God has shown me that, you know, this could have happened in five minutes if I had just been obedient and if I had just been patient and if I had just fought through the feeling of dying. This is why it's very important to know for a fact that you would truly die for God. Because that's when I question myself. I know that I died for God. So why didn't I? If I had died for him, maybe I'd be done. Because right before I took my last breath, he would have restored me. That's all he asked of me. But I understand that God is merciful. I know that he would not hold that against me. He would not hold that against me. Oftentimes, I'm just like, he's reminding me, like, don't trust Satan. Don't listen to him when he's trying to make you feel guilty about what you did not accomplish or what you're not doing. Like, trust that I love you. Trust that, you know, this conversation is not even to be entertained. Know who I am. Know that I love you no matter what and that I'm never that hard on you. <laughs> you know, yes, he can be very hard on me, but he is not <sighs> torture. He, like fear. This is where it gets a little complicated. The Bible always says, says has said so many different times, fear God. But also says that perfect love does not involve fear because fear is torment. And God is a perfect love. God's love is perfect. So it does not involve fear. But how can it say that God's perfect love does not involve fear or that love doesn't involve fear because fear involves torment? And still say fear God. But as I said Things are yes and things are no. And so, therefore, I I get it. I get it. You know, you fear God because he is to be feared. He is to be feared. If there's anybody to fear, it is God. But after you fear God, you will fear nothing or no one else in this world. And that's much less torment than you ever know. Because... In fearing God, you can trust him and he's perfect love. And you only fear God, then there's no torment involved. 
Actually, yes, it is. You're still going to be tormented, persecuted in this world, in God's name. But you're going to be tormented or persecuted in this period. Maybe not even in this world you ever have to face torment or persecution, which is unlikely. But you're going to be tormented and persecuted in this world, period. And not in, maybe not even in this world, like I said. But you're going to have to experience that at one point in your existence. Whether that be here on this earth or for the rest of eternity. So pick. Pick or choose where you want your torment. Where do you want your torture do you want it here on this earth, in this world? Or do you want it for the rest of eternity? And I'm not saying I'm better than you. I'm not trying to scare you either. Because I still have to grasp that concept. When I'm backslidden, when I'm doing things I know I shouldn't be doing. When I'm going in a direction I know I should not be going. When I have things that I know I should be doing. When I know that I should be more obedient. Excuse me to God. And I'm not. I am risking my eternity. I understand that. But at this point, I feel that it's been pretty much proven, you know. Not 100%, but it's shown and it's pretty much proven that. Look around, you know. God has chosen me for this fight and this battle. I've made it thus far. And when it comes down to it, I'm willing to be tormented, tortured, and go through all of this in his name here. And even risk that I might have to go through it for eternity if I don't get and do everything I'm supposed to be doing. Or just because of all that I have already done. And that still is not out of God's, you know, it's still not out of the question for God to have to still require this of me. I've accepted that. Because Satan's not going to let you forget it. After all you've done and such and such and such, who God is, how, you know, and once you realize and know who God is, how worthy he is, once you realize everything, you say to yourself, after everything, you know, You could still be held accountable for your sin. That wouldn't be out of the question. That's what you deserve. You deserve hell. But if you have the opportunity to go, you better take that opportunity. Because otherwise, you're just going. And, yeah, you might do a lot of work trying to get out of it and not get out of it. But that's not that's nothing compared to what it's going to be like when you get there. Wishing that you had even just a small chance. At trying to get up out of there. Small chance. 
at avoiding where you land or where you end up. Even just a chance of fighting towards heaven to prevent your setting and your circumstances. You don't believe me. I have been. And that's not even 100% of what you get. Because they couldn't give me how they wanted to get me. Because God was still protecting me and saving me from a lot of things. But ultimately, you know, I know what that felt like. Every second I was there. It's worse. It's worse than the worst thing you ever could imagine or feel. And you are wishing every second of every day. You know, if it's anything I can do, anything in the world I can do to get out of this and never turn back and keep everybody, anybody I would ever meet or who I would ever, period, to ever exist. I don't care if it's the worst person on this earth who you feel deserved. This. Nobody deserves this. If I can't do anything to keep somebody from getting here or ever experiencing this, I will do it. That's all I care about at this point. At this point, I, you know, like you feel like you can, you feel beat. You're beat. You suffer so bad. It's like it's not even about me no more. I just want to help and prevent someone else from suffering like this. That's what hell is like. The most selfish individual becomes selfless. Please let me keep anybody from this. That's what hell is like. This is why. Lazarus and the rich man excuse me the rich man begged Lazarus from hell please just take the the tip of your pinky finger and dip it in some water just a drop and just put it on my tongue please he begged him screamed and Lazarus said listen you know that it is a um it's a block between me and you hell and heaven And I couldn't do that even if I wanted to. And the rich man said, well, please, please, Lazarus, just send somebody to warn my brothers so that they, you know, tell them who tell them I'm here. Tell them what I'm going through so that they can, you know, I can prevent them from coming here. I just don't want to ever see them here. And he said, if they don't if they don't listen to Moses, they won't listen to you. You just like them. If you didn't listen to Moses, you wouldn't listen to nobody. This couldn't be prevented for you. And if they're anything like you, it won't be prevented for them. No matter what we go and tell them, we can come and we can go and show them you in hell and it won't change where they're going. If they wouldn't listen to Moses when he said it. So when it come down to it, it's like. You can fight, fight, fight so hard. When it comes down to it, it's about being obedient to God. Because there's going to be people in this world who can send them to hell and bring them back out. And then send them again. And each and every single time they come back out, they're going to still be headed towards it. They're never going to turn away. They're never going to be different. They're never going to change. They're destined to get... They, they're headed for destruction. And... Let me not point fingers and judge because I've been to hell and I could still participate in certain things that may have contributed to me going there. Like I may be one of those people, possibly I do not want to 
like I'm not going to neglect that fact because I'd probably be more headed there than I want to be if I did. But if I truly were not trying at all or did not take heed for what God was saying and did not take him serious enough to do all that I am doing now and everything that I contribute towards being better every single day, then I believe I will be, I want like, I don't want to, I want to be careful with my words, but maybe that will be more likely. I make it less likely every day with my decision to want to be better despite all the, the many mistakes I continue to make. Every choice, every decision, every effort towards being better, even if just a little bit, I make it better. I, I get a better chance at, you know, changing. Therefore, that being said, of course, I could fail. I could still go. I could turn back. I could become worse than I ever did been. Or I can, excuse me, stop caring, stop taking God seriously and wind up in hell. Forgetting all that he's shown me and taught me. And wind up in hell like the Bible says. Someone who reads the word and forgets what it says as soon as they put the Bible down. It's just like a man who looks in the mirror and forgets what he looked like as he walks away. And I find myself sometimes reading the word and forgetting what it is I read as soon as I'm not reading anymore. So I never forget what I look like after I look in the mirror. But... What does that mean? That means there's so much more work to do on my soul than I can even know. That I can ever know. I have to keep working towards it every day. I'm never feeling high-minded or better than anybody else, ever. And if I am, you know, I'm working on that too. But like I said, it's progress. And I don't feel that God would have wasted an opportunity on me. He believes in me enough so I can believe in myself. God, you know, knows everything. And he took an opportunity to spend all this time and effort putting it into me. In hopes that I will not only be transformed, but also be able to transform others through my testimony and my journey. If God believed in me that much, then I'm worth believing in. And that's the truth. But I still have yet to make something of what he has given me, this opportunity he has given me. Like, I'm making something of it now, but I have yet to fully accomplish, you know. I will never stop. I will never be at the point where I feel accomplished enough to say that I have done and, um, made something of this opportunity until the day I die and make it into heaven. But I have yet to feel that I'm even in a safe space, even safe enough. I got to fight every day all day now. Every day all day, period. I'm safer, but I'm not safe.